You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 35. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Okay, then welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen and... And I'm Chris Field. Great to be with you again, guys. It is good to be back. And Chris, I'm actually pretty privileged to have you in the studio today because... Your son is getting married. A family wedding coming up tomorrow. Your youngest yep. son is getting married tomorrow. The baby, yeah. And and yet I've managed to get you in to do a show with us. We're back on the farm. You might even hear a, a, a rooster crowing in the background. But yes, we got together because I think there's something we really want to talk about that will be very helpful for a whole lot of people. Yeah, so we're going to talk today about finishing well. Now, it's um, it's very easy to start some, something. And I'm the sort of person that loves to start things. I don't like just doing maintenance of things. I like to think about something new and to get on and start it. But I'm not that good at finishing things and getting them done. And the sad thing about life is that the most important things in life are the things we finish, not the things we start. Yeah, yeah. So Ecclesiastes 7.8 speaks to this, the wisdom of Solomon, if you like. And the ESV version says, It is better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. So the the trick we're talking about today, the issue that we want to deal with is when you've got things in your life that are really important, how to do the maintenance, how to stick with it, how to end well. And sometimes that can be far more challenging than we'd ever want it to be. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Mm. And so I guess with with Real Men 24-7, there are four key life areas we try to speak to with what we're, we're putting out there. One of those is family or more broadly relationships. Two, it's it's work or business, career. Uh, thirdly, it's faith. And then fourthly, it's our own well-being, our mental, physical, our physical health. And so all of those areas, it's easy, very easy to start a relationship. Very difficult to carry it all the way through and finish it well. It's very easy to start a job, not necessarily easy to finish it well. Very easy to start believing in God and, and uh, maybe as a teenager, maybe as a as even younger than that, believing that God is there, but then falling away later in life, and also with our own well-being. Well, it's easy to buy a gym kit, isn't it, and put it in the house, <laughs> and then but to use it every day. And exactly right. So, which of those four are we going to apply this to today? Well, I think it probably covers a fairly broad range if we really stop and think about it. But I'm very concerned about how it applies to our marriages. We're going to really talk about that relationship area of our lives and how to end well in regard to the marriage. But really, I think before we get to that, let's maybe focus on what we're really talking about in terms of ending well. And I think you had another Bible verse for us there, did you, that you wanted to share? Oh, okay. Well, there's a few. But um, so Philippians 3.14 says that I should press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that gets back to your goal setting that you've talked about before, pressing on toward that goal, not giving up halfway along. Well, yes, and I think as a lead into talking a bit more about that in depth, you had a story you told me about offline. So I think this is really listeners? important. Let me just this tell is you all this. about pressing on towards a goal. And a Absolutely. And we had really many years ago in Australia what we call an ultra marathon from Sydney to Melbourne. I've got no idea how many miles that is, but it's a heck of a long way. Well, if it's ultra and marathon, it's probably, it's a <laughs> probably long too far way. for me. And the people that, that do these races often have to have a full-blown support team traveling with them. They're running along highways. You know, they're not necessarily just on back roads. And so they'll have a, a bunch of people there to, to look after them. Uh, a particular chap I talked with 
was a sports psychologist and he'd been paid to go on the ultra marathon run from Sydney down to Melbourne uh, with a, a, a lady who had decided that she was up to it and she wanted to do it. And she hired him knowing that she was likely to give up somewhere along the way. And so he put her through her paces and he, he uh, used all the psychological tricks he could to keep her going. He knew that she'd have an emotional low. He knew that her blood sugar would get low. He knew that she'd think this is a waste of time. Her, she knew that her, her muscles would be screaming at her, uh, that she'd be uh, feeling the effects of loss of sleep because she probably wanted to keep going rather than sleeping to, to meet a target. And he had a whole bunch of tricks lined up uh, in his bag, as it were, hmm. to pull out. So when she said, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm, this is a stupid idea. I shouldn't have done it. He said, you paid me the fee for the whole of this trip. You want to get any value out of this at all? You better see th- a bit longer than this because right now you're getting lousy value out of the money you spent to hire me for this process. So that would motivate her to, OK, I'll keep going. A little bit later, she'd pack it in and say, look, I'm sick of this. I shouldn't have done it. This is just terrible. I mean, my body's in too much pain. And said, you already said that when you got to your your third pain threshold, you would push through it. This is only your second. Now, come on, be true to your word. You've got, you know, you've got to get through this pain threshold. So we had a bunch of tricks to kind of keep her moving. Uh, the race, sadly, for those that are on the race, finishes in Melbourne at the top of a hill. And the last leg of the race is about a three kilometer run uphill uh, on Doncaster Road to the Don- Doncaster shopping town. And so uh, people would be running that uh, at any time of the day or night as the runners finally got to that place. Some would sleep more and others wouldn't. And they'd, over a number two or three days, they'd all be coming in. The early f- uh, finishers would come in early. The late finishers would come in. At a certain point, there'd be a cutoff. If you hadn't reached it, you just had to, to give up and and, uh, and give up the race. So uh, she'd gotten this night in, a, in the wee small hours of the morning to the bottom of the hill and three kilometres of really hard running uphill to go. And she just packed it in again for the umpteenth time. She said, this is it. No, this is stupid. No, I shouldn't have done it. Look at that hill. I'm not going up there. I'm not going to do it. And she just spat the dummy, as us Aussies would say. And a, a dummy is, I think the Americans call that a pacifier. So <laughs> she projected the pacifier out of her mouth, as it were, spat the dummy, and said, I'm not going any further. This is it. I'm not going. And he tried everything again. He, he told her she'd spent the money. She was this close. It was, you know, how silly to finish here. But she was adamant. I am not going to finish this race. And so he just gave up. He said, OK. He said, I'm, I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to push you. You've done well. You've got all the way to here. Uh, you, you, you've done well. You're nearly finished. And then he just turned around to her and said, um, uh, he'll be disappointed. And she said, Who? She said, well, I, I, he said, I, I rang your dad a few hours ago and he's standing up at the, at the finish line, up at uh, the top of the hill there, ready to congratulate you as, a, as you come across the line. And suddenly that was, he, he, he'd already set that up at the very beginning, knowing this would be his final card. And when she heard that her dad was waiting just three kilometres away after running over a thousand, um, she was going to uh, be able to cross that line and fall into his embrace. She just picked it up and ran without a stopping all the way up that hill, three kilometres, and across the finish line and collapsed into her, her dad's arms. Mm-hmm. And so she found something within herself to finish. Uh, yes, she wanted to do the process. Yes, she'd made progress. Yes, she'd done well. She'd probably beaten her, her personal best a number of different ways. But the real tri- triumph would be in finishing. And when she recaught the vision for finishing... She suddenly found all the energy she needed to overcome the pain, the emotional burnout, the frustration, the disappointment, the abuse she was telling herself inside her head about what an idiot she was. She suddenly could throw all of that aside 
and get across that line at the top of the hill. So that really speaks back into the whole subject you've talked about before, about having a clear goal, having that end in mind. Whether it's setting. the end of thing, end of, end of something, then the beginning. It, it, when, when you're talking and telling me that story, there's a few things that come to mind for me. The first one is, first of all, you need to have that vision of wanting to wanting to do the race in the first place and, and what it will mean to you, what it will mean to others, what is the reason that you're doing it, to go through all the training, to even get yourself to the start line. And then through that, the vision is important going through the race. But then there may come a point during that race when you lose hope in that vision. When you think, it's just too hard. I can't do it anymore. And people that, even that refer glimmer, to... That glimmer of hope is just is just reducing down to such a low level that you just can't press on. Which people call the death of the vision even, to the point where they think it's almost just gone completely. Yeah, and this can apply in your marriage, of course. Business. Uh, in your business. It can apply in... It could even apply to your, to your health where you give up looking after yourself because everything you've tried just hasn't worked. And so can, that vision can take you so far, but then you can come a point when you just start to lose that vision. And then what was what this woman had the foresight to do was the support team. Imagine if she was on her, on her own. Oh, she would have given up she would have given way up long early. ago. Yeah, never so, would have so, made it. So the first thing is vision, but then the second thing is that we need to have our own support team. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that we want to finish well at, and we know that there are going to be obstacles along the way, then we need to have a support team. Well, that's why you've set up this ministry, to be part of that for many people, to give them that extra bit of incentive and support along the way. It is very much a part of why we've, we're doing it and why we're doing these podcasts. And you know, and the feedback that we are getting from people is that it does provide that boost to go the next, to, to do the next right thing, um, to do the next, just to take the next, that next step. Because we don't know what's around the corner, and though we can't see the end of the tunnel, it might not be very far far away. And if we can just take that next step, and then find someone to encourage us that next step, that next step, and it's not, it's, it doesn't take long before you look back and you see how far you've come. Now, I need to tell our listeners why this has become a focus for me, and it came earlier this year. We we've already broadcast uh, uh, on our podcasts a wonderful conversation with Jim Bob Duggar, who we had the privilege of meeting earlier this year. Mm. And uh, offline, when I was having a conversation with him and talking about different people that um, I work with and help who have challenges in their marriage, and he made a couple of very interesting observations that, that I'll share with you uh, that really focus my, my thoughts on the end. He talked about the fact that uh, when he was a boy, his own parents separated. Their marriage wasn't ideal. Um, by the way, Jim Bob uh, is not a marriage counsellor. It's nothing that he specialises in. So he wasn't trying to act like someone who knows all about marriage. He was just simply reflecting on things that he'd seen in his own circumstances, mm. uh, even though he has a successful marriage himself. But uh, he was talking about how his parents did separate and how, how he felt as a boy, you know, that, that there was something wrong, that there was a brokenness in his environment. And after a number of years, the parents actually got back together again. Uh, I don't even think they were Christians at that point in time, but they just saw that it was appropriate they got back together again and they stayed together for the rest of, of their lives and so there was that wonderful sense that he had that he didn't his parents didn't finish as a broken marriage they finished as a married couple mm -hmm. that had weathered some storms had some difficulties were obviously pretty serious but they'd stayed together and then he reflected on other people that he'd seen along the way who had a testimony of being a happily married couple of, of a family going somewhere and they hit some kind of a bump that actually caused uh, either the husband or the wife to become really annoyed, fed up, uh, no longer tolerant of the issues or challenges, and then decide that that's it, they're going to end the marriage. 
he said that the damage that that does to the children and then to the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, that they get to look at their heritage and in their heritage there's brokenness. And he said, how much better is it for the sake of the children, the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren that you give them the heritage that we as a couple held it together, worked through the difficulties, endured the challenges, and we crossed the line at the end with a successful marriage because that becomes theirs. It's part of their story. Hey, grandma and grandpa stayed together for 62 years or whatever length of time it was. Uh, they had an enduring marriage. My mum and dad had an enduring marriage. I too will have an enduring marriage. Yeah, and that becomes part of your identity. Sure, it becomes does. part of your identity as your family lineage. When you think about, I've been talking about the issue of identity, give the example of a, of a royal family. Hmm. Now, they don't always carry it well, but somebody who's brought up in a royal family, they know their identity, part of, part of their family heritage, and their, 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 their bloodline and, and what's expected of them. And they carry that identity with them and it influences the decisions that they make. And so if we come from... Uh, a, um, a, a succession of broken marriages, then that can easily be part of an identity that we carry and make it less likely for us to be a successful marriage, have a successful marriage ourselves. But conversely, it is always also true that um, if we've got a, a legacy behind us of coming from successful marriages, then that can be something which can can really help us through those difficult times. But you could, it doesn't have to be that way either. It doesn't necessarily mean because I came from a bad marriage, I'm going to have a bad marriage or because my, my father had a bad marriage, because we've got your example in, uh, from uh, Clive Field, your dad, yep. from episode number two and number 33, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he was the man who God used and who uh, who realized the vision himself of changing a family legacy, of being bad fathers before him, to him becoming a, a, a wonderful father, a wonderful grandfather and great-grandfather, and completely changing his family identity going forward. And one of the things that's interesting about my dad is that he was totally committed to mum uh, for his own reasons. He, he made up his mind when he was young, having seen the way his own mum was at times neglected by his dad, that he would never put his own wife through that. And he, he made an internal commitment. I will be the kind of mm. husband who will never cause the wife to wish she'd never married him. Uh, and so he... Uh, committed to her that he was never going to put her in a nursing home. He was never going to stop. He would be her carer all of his life. Uh, In the end, he had to give that up simply because he wasn't physically strong enough to meet the needs that she had. They were just so uh, serious. But he spent himself over and over and over again to meet her needs. And what's more, there were times when in her pain and in her difficulties, she wasn't always the most pleasant woman to have around, you know, you know what it's like when you come home and you check what mood mum's in and decide whether you go outside and play or whether you'll stay inside. Uh, mum was could get herself into some pretty unhappy modes and dad endured that every single time. And he said to me a couple of years ago when we were doing a, a dad and son drive around the place, we went on a bit of a, an, an outing, a long journey together. And he said, uh, he said, I don't know what you boys think of it. He said, I know mum treated me pretty shoddily along the way, but I yeah. was just totally committed to her. He said, when you, when you reevaluate that, when you filter what you remember about the marriage that you saw yourselves, you know, the family you saw yourselves growing up in, remember, I made up my mind to be totally committed to mum and I was all the way to the end. And that's a fantastic heritage for me to have. It's an example now that's part of who I am, that my dad was that kind of guy. But the issue then that, I, that Jim Bob has sort of brought to my focus as I reflected on that is that uh, how easy it is 
to be distracted by the momentary or the situation we're in right now, which can be hellish. It can be really, really tough. Mm. And, and we're ready to think, I've had enough of this. Why should I have to put up with this? This isn't the deal I signed up for. Um, she isn't the same woman that she was before. She hasn't delivered to me what I believe that she really should have I made a commitment me. before, but that was before she became what she is. Yeah, and, and so for whatever justifications we have, yep. we feel like in this moment, I've got to get out of here. In yep. this moment. But what then we lose sight of is ending. Mm. And this story is all about ending well. The consequences. And, and that's what Jim Bob was, was pointing to. He's saying, look, if, if only these marriages could stop and think about what the end will be. Mm. Right now, it could be really, really tough. It could be the toughest situation you've been in. But think about the implications of you uh, bailing out right now because the issue is how you end well. Mm. Jeff and Jill Williams, they're uh, marriage coaches, and they've got a book, uh, Marriage Coaching, Heart, Hope, and Skills for a Great Relationship. And then... In that they've um, they basically show couples how to how to to separate their marriage from the content, but look at the process regardless of what content it is, whatever is causing the conflict, but work through and develop the skills to be able to work through the process of reconciliation. But anyway, in in that book they make an interest in their book they make an interesting observation and they encourage their uh, their clients to look on their marriage as the client. So it's easy for us to look on our partner, uh, look on our marriage partner and just say, well, they're doing this, they're doing that, and I just don't love them anymore. I can't stand them. They're giving me so much pain. And if we just focus on them, then that will bring up all that emotion and that hurt and so on. But take our eyes off that and think about our marriage as the client and think about, what it is about our marriage which is worth continuing to the end. And if our marriage survives or our marriage doesn't survive, what will the consequences be? Mm. And that takes us really to this whole remembrance about the end game. I'm remembering, as I reflected on this, a song that I heard back in the 60s, and it was Roy Clark, I believe, who wrote the song and recorded it. And the song was called Right or Left at Oak Street. It's the choice I make every day. And I wonder what takes the most courage the staying or the running away. And here in that uh, story, the ballad that he created there, is this um, nexus where this man feels like, if I go home, it's going to be hell. And and, and, and I could leave. Mm. But then, of course, leave has all its consequences. And he was talking as if in the song that every single day he's caught in the balance of, of the tension of those two things. Now, Jim Bob's wisdom, as we're unpacking it here today, would be, uh, think about the end game. You're here wondering, if I go back home, it could be really, really difficult. If I leave, it'll be challenging, but at least I'm free from her and all the nagging and all the issues that she's bringing up. But Jim Bob would say, yes, but then where do you end? You end as a broken testimony. You end as a defeated marriage. You say to your kids, marriage doesn't work. I couldn't make it work. You say to your grandkids, hey, I'm not going to be hard on you if you don't really totally commit because I didn't. And that's the signal that is sent right down the line because of the way you ended. And by just bringing that back into the picture, there is an end. For that gal running on that uh, marathon, the end was to get across that line and to fall into the embrace of her dad and feel like, wow, I did it. And consider the difference that she would have felt a week, a month, a year, or 10 years down the track. Compared to if she had have not done it, if she had have quit, she would have always had that regret and wondered what might have been versus having that sense of achievement, that sense of pride, if you like, and a connection with her father. 
of actually achieving it, and then that would have spurred her on to go and achieve other things in life. I wonder where she went from there. I wonder Mm. where she went from there. The the ripple effect, the ripple effect of our decisions. It's very hard when we're in the midst of pain and conflict to think about those ripple effects, which which are going to come. And I think that the trick is, as we reflect on this, that this example of an ultra marathon is not actually so unlike life. Mm. Every 100 kilometers or so, a new reason to be feeling like you want to give up. And in life, uh, along the way, there are multiple different pressures, storms that come. Jesus even talked about how that the house was built on the rock and the house was built on the sand. But whether you build it on rock or sand, the wind came, the rain came, they beat upon that house. Mm. So we are going to face storms uh, in every situation. Uh, reminds me of a, of a missionary couple that had come from the United States to Australia and were working with a missionary association. They came as, as members of my church and had built a lovely relationship. Both of them had been divorced and remarried to, to different people. And so they, they were growing up uh, and, and exercising their ministry. Both of them had a former spouse and they had children to those spouses and grandchildren to those spouses, um, which were part of the baggage of now their, their new life. And they ended up in a ministry, a, a Christian church ministry, two couples who had been divorced and remarried. And one of the things that they would point out to those couples, and they shared it very, very openly, they said, we're very committed to each other. We love each other. This, is, this marriage is working and we're really delighted that we have each other. But it takes work. And both of us recognize and both of us would agree that if we had put this amount of work into our original marriages, we would be better off. We both agree, although we love each other and we're very happy with our present marriage, that both of us would have preferred to have made our first marriage work. But we didn't. And now we realize in the second marriage, we've still got to make it work. Hmm. And now we realize, hey, we could have put that work in. We could have done it. You've got some baggage and you've got extra complications. Weddings, funerals. Uh, just goes on and on and on on access all the different things that happen and then the 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 doubts and concerns in the hearts of the children and the grandchildren of you know why did you do this and did you really love me and what and all that stuff that happens happen once can happen again now look there are people listening to us who have been through maybe multiple marriages and divorces now so we're not here to bag on you guys and say hey you shouldn't have done that but to pick up the fact that it's going to be work whichever way you do it. Mm. So keep the best end in mind and put the work into that end, achieving that end, rather than maybe in the in the, the middle of the moment throwing the towel in and saying, I give up, I I'm, I'm shouldn't have done this, I'm yeah. going home. So we're not talking about a situation where uh, where one of the the members of the family is, is unsafe, where there's, oh, no, no, no. Where there's, you know, there's any sort of abuse or anything like that. We're not talking... It, talking about talking about that okay no. no wisdom is that you have to be safe and sensible and protect We're talking about now. when there are two good willed people yep. still in a marriage together and for whatever reason they've just come really uncomfortable with each other and one's not tolerating the other and just making life difficult for each other there's still hope and you're better off working through that than than suddenly saying listen i can get a better deal somewhere else i'm, I'm i've had enough of this i'm out of here well, clearly the, the stats tell us that second marriages fail far more often than first marriages do. Yeah. So, you know, it might look like it's, uh, you know, going to be able to find somebody find somebody better, and maybe you do. I mean, we... we there are you and stories I, you, of people... That can, you and yeah. I both know people who have yeah. been very successful in, in their second marriages, mm-hmm. um, much more so than, than their first. Uh, but um, we, we shouldn't just assume that that's... It's going to happen without having to work through the same sort of uh, emotional 
and challenging issues that you had to work through in your first. And I want to introduce a word here then into the conversation. It's the word endurance. We have the, the reference to Jesus who, for the joy that was set before him, which is our goal-setting yeah. kind of sense of what, what's coming ahead for us, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Yeah. And so we have this sense of enduring. And in previous generations, uh, and we today tend to be a little bit... Um, uh, disrespectful to that but in previous generations there were people who endured some really unhappy unsatisfying marriage relationships they did it for the kids they did it for the family they did it for the honor of their name they did it because they'd made a promise and even though it did, they said for better or for worse and it turned out to be worse and so they just stuck with their promise and and did what they had to do and were the dutiful wife or the faithful husband despite the fact that life at home was nowhere near as joyful and as satisfying as they wanted it to be. Uh, in Australia, we found ourselves uh, many years ago now, uh, 40 or so years ago, with a real easing of divorce laws and a huge amount of social provision made for women that had left their husbands who then wouldn't have had economic resources to survive. And it actually became very appealing to people who were in an unpleasant situation. They suddenly had an escape clause or an escape route that they didn't have before. They could uh, get an easy divorce. They could get some welfare from the government to support them. And that became very attractive. And so there was a situation that developed where marriages began to unravel at a, at a far greater rate because the government was basically socially engineering for that to be And to, and to be place. clear, there were probably some that did need to unravel because they were, they were abusive and In abusive situations, and, obviously. Yes. And, and very, very bad situations. But but in the process of that, we've actually lost sight of the value of enduring. We've actually that, that, that word just drops out of the vocabulary. Oh, you don't endure a, an unhappy marriage. You, mm. you, you, you've got a way out. You know, yeah. use it. Yeah. And here, uh, Jim Bob was focusing us back on saying, hey, the way you finish has to be factored back into the way you think about that. Mm. The, the end game, the, what you get to at the end of the road, crossing over that finish line... And the legacy that you leave has to be kept very clearly in focus when you're you're standing at the intersection saying right or left at Oak Street. It's the decision I make every day. And will I, what will I do? Remember the end game. And Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to go and build, out, build a tower or a building and nobody goes and builds a, goes and does a housing development or builds a house without first counting the cost, working out how long it's going to take, the resources they'll need. The, how are they going to be able to pay the bank back? You're you're foolish if you don't if you don't count the costs. So um, otherwise you get part way through it. I, I, we went to a honeymoon in Rarotonga, and there there was a Sheraton which was started and it wasn't finished. A big hotel complex, a very big there. hotel mm-hmm. which was started and it had been sitting there for years and years and years mm-hmm. and just getting run down, run down, and just there was not enough money to finish. I don't know the the ins and outs of why that was, but it never got finished, and what a shame. And so, you know, we need to count. We need to count that cost and factor it in when we're making a decision whether to continue our marriage or whether to end our marriage. Uh, and in other areas of our life as well, make sure we're fully aware and counted the cost. I want to introduce to this thought, and maybe we should find some people to interview on this very topic, mm. who people that have actually been right on the brink of divorce, or they've even divorced and remarried themselves, like the, the original marriage restored again, people who will get to the end saying, you know, we could have ended this at any time along the way, but we didn't, and we're so glad we didn't. You know, that's the sort of story that people don't often get We actually head. have had a couple of those. We had... We had um, 
we had Phil Sherwood, who, who we yeah. did a podcast about his, his wife having an affair yeah. after 28 years of marriage. He could have ended his marriage then. Yeah. But he knuckled down and decided he wanted to save his marriage, and he did. He was glad he did. So I'm thinking here about people who, who um, could have pulled the pin, and, and, and for all the personal reasons at the moment, like the marathon runner saying, oh, I just got to stop, I can't go any further, managed to press through that. And then when they got to the other side of it, things improved. Things actually worked out better for them. Often there are uh, barriers, like pain barriers, um, that you've got to push through. And when you push through them, it's not even worse pain. It actually becomes easier. It becomes better. The same thing happens in physical training. The situation where mm-hmm. once you've pushed through the barrier, but the people that stop because of the barrier have no idea of what's there behind that, what's, what's over that hurdle. And so I just want to keep you in mind that, that you are going to one day, you're going to end this race. You're going to be leaving a legacy uh, there'll be something written on your tombstone. What will it say? So, so what do you do then when you've effectively lost hope? You know, you've been through time after time after time. You've had hope. You've fought. You've strived. You've struggled. You've done all you can. Like the the woman that's gone through all that mm-hmm. race, however long it was. Was it from Sydney? Yes. Well, yeah. From Sydney all the way to within three k's of of the of, end line of that's the amazing. end line. Incredible journey. Uh, you and I couldn't get that far, mm. but she did. And but then she was spent. She could not go any further. What do you say? What do you, what does someone need who is at that point when, I, hope, the, when hope seems to be gone? The the answer I would use, and this isn't one that others might might think is tenable. The answer I would use is to hope in God, and I take that from from King David, who got to the point where he was cast down, depressed, got to the point where he lost hope. And then he stopped and, and gave himself a little lecture. And he said, why are you cast down, soul? Why are you in this state of mind, basically, rebuking himself? He said, hope in God, mm. for I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so we find that, that there's this reality that there are many things that are genuinely hopeless. And people can come and tell us their story and we'd, we'd weep on their shoulder and say, you're right, that is hopeless in human terms. But in divine terms, with God involved in the picture, operating on, in the situation, nothing is impossible. And so David would say to himself, okay, this is lousy. This is a horrible situation. No wonder you're depressed. But soul, don't be depressed. Focus yourself on God. Come back to him and say, God, what in the world am I going to do? How are you going to get me out of this mess? I cry out to you. Sometimes that is the only option we have left. And when somebody has been hoping in God... And God has been silent, and He is He has seemed to be distant and not being able to, and not being there to show a way out. What do you say to that person? I say that God is always wanting to communicate, and sometimes we don't know how to tune in to the channel that He's broadcasting on. So we need to get with Christian people. I mean, sincere people who really love God and who know God, who've got their act together, and say to them, "Can you pray with me? Can you support me? I need someone who can be in touch with God." In fact, there's this wonderful situation described in the book of Isaiah and the book of Kings in the Bible um, where a king called Hezekiah uh, is under threat from the Assyrians and uh, there's a prophet called Isaiah that's actually in in the city of Jerusalem and so he sends his his agents across to talk to the prophet. And what he says, here's Hezekiah who loves and worships God but the message that's sent to, to Isaiah goes like this, can you ask your God 
<laughs> what's going on here? You know, yeah, yeah. you ask your God. Now it's the same God, mm. but what he was saying was, right now I'm not hearing from God, but you are. So Isaiah, you're the prophet. You tell us what's going on here. What is your God saying? And in a sense, sometimes we need to go up to a spiritual person, someone that we know and respect, who, who loves God. And just say, listen, can you pray to God for me about this? Can you find out what your God is saying about this? Of course, it's the same God we worship. But we're recognizing you've got a sense of connection. You've got a sense of hearing the voice of God. If you were in my situation, what would you do? Get that support. Because if you don't, the only option you've got is to spare and come up with some bodgy human uh, solution that isn't going to work. Only going to get you deeper in the mud. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of things which come to mind just as we're drawing to a close as as you talk about that. So the the first is that we need to have faith, mm-hmm. right? So even when, when hope is gone, we're feeling like our, our faith is, is dwindled away. Faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of God. So getting around people who are, who are going to point you towards God and who can encourage you. Um, and also getting into the Word of God yourself, and then finding those bits of encouragement. Things like Galatians 6, 9, where it says, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. Right? There's a promise there. So there is a harvest we, at the if, end if, of the road. If we do not give up. Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrews twelve one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance. Is that word? Yeah. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so that verse also perhaps gives us another hint. Maybe there's some things which are dragging us, weighing us down, like uh, Pilgrim, Pilgrim's Progress, that weight which is we're carrying around needlessly. Maybe there are some things that we need to let go of. And that was one of the things which I think was a, a great lesson from Jim Bob when we did that show with him, when he talked about anger. Mm-hmm. You know, he recognized that anger was something which was inside him which would uh, which would prevent his vision of having capturing the heart of his kids and developing that strong relationship with his kids so he did what it took and go back to that podcast and you'll see the five different steps that he took there for laying aside that weight which would drag him down so he could finish well with his kids yeah so some of you guys uh listening to this might say yeah it's all right for you fellas you're not in my situation look uh, we recognize some of you guys are probably carrying a burden that we would crumble under Uh, And we don't want to be cynical. We don't want to be um, hypocritical in the way we handle your situation. We understand life is really, really challenging. But if we could, we want to say just get a hold of God. Get a hold of God as best you possibly can. Get Christian people to support you. Somebody that can encourage you. Like that woman, that racer who support team. Somebody who can encourage you. And remember... Contact us. We will help you. If we can, fantastic. And then remember the end of the game. Remember Mm. what... Look for a trophy and a prize at the end. Don't look for shame. Imagine what that girl would have felt like for the rest of her life. I got within three kilometers. You mean after you ran a thousand, you were the, yeah. You know, the, the whole sense of, of who she was would have been so damaged by her not thinking about getting the trophy. And where you are right now, guys, if you make a, an unwise choice, if you make a compromise, thinking only about the moment right now, you'll very likely live with some regret for a long time to come. But anyway, we just want to wish you well and just trust this is encouraging to you. Uh, our hope here is to build you up, not to put you down. So please don't take offense by any of this. Mm. We just want to encourage you in the Lord to get to the end of the line with him running beside you. He's the best support team you can ever have. Yes. Have faith, trust in God. 
You know, Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to us. And we're going to come back and share some more things with you all the way along. Hope that along the way, every bit of it helps you. But meanwhile, God bless. And I hope that wedding goes beautifully Oh, thank you. Yeah. Big day. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. See you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.